0: A bell tinkled above the shop door as I entered. Even though I had already removed my bowler, I stooped as I stepped inside. The doorway was not really so low, but the cluttered and shadowy interior gave an impression of smallness. Hat in hand, I moved past stag's heads and mahogany bookcases, candelabras, and stuffed pheasants under glass domes. A gentleman writing in a sporting newspaper once described my appearance in the boxing ring as pachydermis. That turned out to be his way of saying I reminded him of an elephant. Now I was an elephant in an antique shop, an animal more perilous than a bull in a china shop. I conducted myself accordingly, moving lightly and taking care not to disturb anything. People compare many such shops to Aladdin's cave, but this one must have been an Aladdin of the poorest sort. Very ordinary lumber odd furniture, and statuary for which the appellation of antique as an honorary one filled the shop. There were display cases of semi-precious stones and odd knick-knacks of ivory and painted china, the ugly and unfashionable items of a few decades ago that clutter England's antique shops. The well-arranged stock, I should say, made a good show. However, on my valuation, and mine as an informed one, The lot would not have fetched more than a hundred pounds. This was only Chichester and not London. But still, I felt Mr. Mellor's emporium was second rate. The large fireplace, perhaps the best feature, threw out a very welcome heat. It was February, and a hard one. I paused a minute to warm my hands on the fire. A dapper figure... A man in his middle years sporting a neat moustache appeared in a doorway to one side. He was not at all the hearty character I was expecting. His green jacket of a decidedly foreign cut matched with a burgundy cravat. His expression indicated displeasure. The wardrobe isn't going until tomorrow, he said. Excuse me, perhaps there is a misunderstanding. I should like to speak to Mr. Mellers if that would be possible and convenient at this time. "'He speaks,' he said, with an arch little smile, dancing away behind an aisle formed by Japanese screens. "'I thought you were here to collect a wardrobe.' I did not believe his delivery man usually wore suits, ties, and wing collars. "'If it would be possible to speak with Mr. Mellers, I persisted, "'at his convenience I would be obliged.' "'China clattered as he rearranged something on a glass tabletop. "'I don't know if it is convenient,' he replied at last. "'Not today.' "'I waited, and a minute later his head reappeared around the screen. "'You'll only come back, though, won't you? "'I can return at a more convenient time, or in another place.' "'May as well be now, I suppose.' He said heavily. What's it about? Would you be Mr Mellor's? Would I be Mr Mellor's? Look at Mellor's antiques! His sweeping gesture took in the whole shop. Who would be Mr Mellor's in their right mind, I ask you? I took this as an affirmative. It's about your brother, the late Sir Ernest Shackleton. "'I know who my brother was, thank you very much. "'It's concerning a pecuniary matter. "'As you know, he left a number of debts, "'and I am exploring certain aspects of one on behalf of a legal firm.' "'Are you now?' "'He relaxed slightly. "'That's a new one. "'This might take more than a minute. "'Cup of tea, Mr... "'Stubbs,' I supplied. "'Of Latham and Rowe, of Upper Norwood.' As always, I felt a twinge of pride. Harry Stubbs, the butcher's boy, now the employee of a firm of solicitors. Harry Stubbs, who could barely read his name at school, entrusted with delicate legal matters. Upper Norwood, he said with a sigh. I suppose the palace is still a social whirl? Do sit down, Mr. Stubbs. The kettle's just boiled. I selected a seat with some care. Much of the furniture, of spindly insubstantial manufacture, was of a type more suited to display than providing support.